Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Alrighty, welcome to the Celtics Lab podcast brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. I am Cameron Tepsby. I'm joined by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. It's about the halfway point of the Boston Celtics season, and we got a lot to talk about in terms of news, but we're actually going to look ahead and predict who might win some awards this season. We're also going to just invent some awards off the cuff. So to do that, we welcome in from the Big Three NBA podcast from CLNS and from NBC Boston 10. Kwani Lunas, welcome back to the program, right? Yeah, it's been a minute, but yes, I'm back. <laughs> so um, there's a reason you're here to do our awards episode, but first, how are you? I'm doing very well. How, how are the three of you? Doing great. Can yeah, I complain? I we're good, yeah. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> so, uh, Alex, do you want to tell the story of how Kwani ended up back on the lab, specifically to talk about awards? For sure. So um, actually, the last time I saw Kwani was at a chance encounter at the Boston and Music Awards, which I have now mentioned a couple of times on this podcast. Uh, that music that you heard at the top of the podcast was made by a band that I'm in that uh, won an award at said Boston Music Awards. Mm-hmm. Um, not to toot my own horn a little bit. As but... you should. <laughs> yeah, toot it. Go ahead and give it a toot. Fair enough. <laughs> um but uh, Kwani and I ran into each other backstage at the Boston Music Awards and got to chat and catch up. And it was really fun, just a generally great night. And I figured, what the heck, she's here. May as well see if I can get her on the pod. And the rest, as they say, is history. Cute. Love it. Uh, Boston is a small place. Also, Kwani works with Tevin Wooden, my favorite meteorologist. Yes. He's so good. He's so good at what he does. He also like- always, yeah. Oh, no, I'm sure he gets annoyed, though, because now I just use him as a personal meteorologist. I'm like, I'm headed to D.C. What should I pack? <laughs> That's great. Um, I need a personal meteorologist. Well, t- you, hey, Tevin. Tevin, if you ever want to come on and talk weather, he's got I'll a dog named Radar. Got I've got, please, please do. Yes, that's happening. I'll right, text cool. him after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, bring the whole NBC Boston 10 team down. Why not? Perfect. <laughs> okay. okay, so uh, to follow, follow up that thought, not to talk about weather. Although the weather stinks, apologies to anyone dealing with that. Kwani is going to come talk to us about awards, real and imagined. And so to do that, we're going to hop right into the lab portion of the programming. So put on your safety goggles, your coat, your gloves, whatever you need. And first, we're going to start with real awards. And then later, we have pretend awards. So Kwani, the MVP race hasn't yet really involved much Jason Tatum buzz, really outside of like really passionate Celtics fans is Jason Tatum a bona fide contender how can he win it this year if at all so we actually just talked about this on the big three NBA podcast shameless plug but I think it's a really good question because a common I would say mentality around the MVP award is the fact that your team is the best presumably in the league at that point 
and you're the best player on that team and obviously contributing to the success. There's no doubt that Tatum has been contributing to the Celtics' very good success, specifically at their home arena as well. But when you look around the league, I think there are still a lot of other players, Jokic, SGA, that are probably considered a little more of an MVP just right now. Because one, I think also we don't talk about enough that when your team isn't expected to do well, that's when you also get an MVP bump as well. So right now we were saying earlier, like Tatum's definitely top five, if not five, but at the same time, that doesn't diminish what he's done in Boston. It just so happens that there are other teams around the league where you're looking at their stars and you're like, well, we need to put some respect on their name as well. Anthony Edwards is another one we've talked about. Oh, that cool. I think people are starting to wake up and realize like a lot of good players in the league that aren't getting the recognition that they generally would. Dr. Quinn, uh, what did Kwani miss, if anything? I think she's spot on. Uh, I see some people like, so Embiid, Jokic, uh, pretty much locks. Uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander is usually in the conversation. I've seen Luca rated higher, but between all the things that we, we just heard about as to bad team that is doing better, I guess the Mavericks are doing a little bit better than they were expected this season, but not to the degree that, say, like Oklahoma City is. Uh, yeah. So for me right now, I have him just ahead of Luca, but a lot of other people have Luca ahead of him. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Well, I think, you know, when you talk about MVP, so much of it is a narrative-based award, and the narratives right now have really coalesced around um, SGA, Jokic, who just, you know, wakes up and rolls out of bed and puts up MVP numbers every single year, it seems like. Um, Giannis and Embiid, those feel like the four guys right now who are really in the mix. Um, and I think with Tatum, you know, first off, it's just the case that, like, statistically, his numbers are not as good as those guys. Now, he's having a tremendous impact on winning as seen by the Boston Celtics stellar record and just, like, his individual play. But if you look at just the raw metrics, the raw numbers, those guys have a numbers advantage on him. Um, one thing that I think is also important about the MVP award is that you kind of have to want to win it in a pretty public and serious way sometimes. I think about Joel Embiid's MVP case last year, where he absolutely had the numbers to justify winning the MVP. He played out of his mind. But part of the reason that he won MVP last year is also because he kind of marketed himself for it. And his team around him really made this hard push to the media and to, you know, the kind of voters that, hey, Joel Embiid needs to be recognized for how good he is and what he's doing on the court. For Tatum, to some degree, I don't think he's really kind of putting his hat in the ring as much as maybe he could be, partially as a function of just like his role on the team and partially because I think that guy cares a little bit more about trying to win the title this year. Um, and based on everything we've seen from him, it seems like the first step for Tatum is win a title and then maybe MVP comes after that. So I don't know. I think he's going to be hovering around in the mix for a couple of years, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's a few years off from winning league MVP outright. Let me make the case for why he will win the season, even if it's, even if it's not true. So looking uh, over with our friends at FanDuel, uh, he's a plus... Uh, 2,500, which puts him one, two, three, four, five. He's sixth. He's behind Embiid, who I don't think will make 
the 65 game cutoff. So Embiid might be disqualified because that's a new rule. Um, Giannis, maybe same scenario, but also voter fatigue. Luca has it, but he might miss that 65 game mark too. And then it's Shea and Jokic right now, although Anthony Edwards is, is out there. I really like that. I think that's where the value is. So if there's voter fatigue and Tatum gets hot, uh, counterintuitively, so Boston has all those road games in March, that's going to be harder to like sell the narrative. But if they do really well there, and then like Ruffles comes out to play, and Jordan Brand comes out to play, you see it already on Instagram. He has his all-star cases being floated by all these like brand partners. Mm-hmm. So there's a world where if Jason Tatum, you know, averages 35 points over a 10-game span at the right time and the right corporate partners start pushing that out there and we just start talking about it more and more. Well, other guys, it's clear they're not going to hit 65 games. I think suddenly he's a real dog in the race. But I wouldn't put real American dollars behind it. How's that? <laughs> Get it together, Ruffles. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. All right. I mean, the real power broker in the United States. Wow. Look how less orange I am now that I'm not looking at FanDuel. That was remarkable. Okay. So that's the MVP. Let's do all NBA. I think, I think Tatum is a lock, if only because of the same 65 game cutoff. Kwani, you think Jalen has it in him to make all an NBA team this year again? Yeah, I think he does. But to your point, I, it's, it's been interesting watching him this season. Like he's obviously contributing in a way that they need, but I still want to see more from him just in general. But I mean, numbers wise, I don't think he'll be far off. I I have to check how many, I mean, I imagine he definitely hit the game count, but overall I, I wouldn't be surprised if he made it, but he does. I think just, he knows this, like this is a season where he needs to consistently step up, especially when, Tatum's not in the game. Obviously, we saw that they can win without Jalen. They can win without Brown, but I mean, without Tatum as well. But at the same time, I think those two know the onus is still on them to be consistent scorers, consistent defensively, do the best they can to make sure that this team continues on this momentum that they have, which is winning a championship at this point. Well, the NFL season is wrapping up, but there is still time to get on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's pretty good math, right? That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. Find bets in the new Explore tab. Make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. The best way to find popular parlays and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston to make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado. Iowa, Michigan, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 
1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Yeah, and I think his Jalen's numbers don't jump off the page the way they did last year because Porzingis, White, and uh, Drew have to eat. So at times it looks like he's not as solid of a player. And in any given game, you might be like, oh, is Porzingis the second best Celtic? (laughs) But no, I mean, that's just like a function of how defenses are playing the Celtics. And there are, I mean, there's still times where Jalen does things that he shouldn't be doing, but He's still gotten better this year. I don't want to discredit. Oh, for like, sure. Been a significant growth in his game. His sure. decision-making is so much better. Yeah. I am shouting at my television so much less. <laughs> um, I, unless it's when Jalen's making a sick play on defense. Um, the individual effort is cute, and we can talk about whether or not he could, his all-defensive case is uh, serious, but... um. I feel like Jalen would call his own number a few too many times last year on defense and it didn't work out for him. And I don't see that happening as much. And when you don't put yourself on an Island on defense, you're set up to make plays better on defense. So I think the decision-making on both ends has been like dramatically better, at least as far as I can tell. Um, Anyone else have an all NBA dark horse on the Celtics team or (laughs) no surprises there? Yeah. Okay. Kwani, this one might be a little harder. Who makes an all-defense team this spring from the Boston Celtics? <laughs> Yikes. I would have to actually look at numbers because no one really pops out. Obviously, being in Boston, you're spoiled with the last few years of Marcus Smart. I wonder if Derek White's numbers would... Um, I love <laughs> <laughs> I was I gonna have, have to, look to say at... something if you didn't say it. No, because I, I mean, you some like obviously like my I'm not necessarily numbers forward when I think about players, but I, I imagine his numbers would give him a legitimate enough case to at least make the the fringe of that list. If you are not, not if you are not on the all defense team, an A all defense team after leading the league in blocks from the backcourt, I don't understand what's going on. Like, what do you <laughs> want the guards yeah. to do? Right, right, yeah. I think I think I'm comfortable saying that Derek White is a lock for yeah. first or second team all defense at this point. I I don't see any reasonable way that he gets left off barring like a significant injury. Um, I think there's a couple of other guys that could be in the running. Drew Holiday is always in the all defense conversation. He has been for his entire career, basically. Um, and he is playing pretty outstanding defense um in particular. I feel like a lot of uh sometimes you might miss how much Drew Holiday is actually responsible for on any given night with regard to really implementing Missoula's system. He's been lights out as a secondary defender, as a help defender, um, and as just like somebody who can kind of throw a monkey wrench in an offense's game plan. You know, I think about like the play that he had against Minnesota the other night where he just kind of rolls up and like 
catches a steal off a pass with a guy falling out of bounds and then tosses it into the front court for a layup. Like those are plays that very, very few people in the NBA can actually make. So I think Drew's going to be in the mix. I'm not sure that he's going to make it, but I think he'll be there. Um, the other guy that, you know, I think we mentioned earlier, but Jalen Brown is having a really excellent defensive season, like mm -hmm. definitely the best of his career by a lot. And from a like metric standpoint, last time I checked, he was like second in the league in terms of lowest shot percentage allowed on an individual match. Oh, he's, he's really playing some outstanding on ball defense. Um, the other thing, again, you know, narratives factor really heavily into this. Jalen said at the beginning of the year, my goal for this year is to make an all defense team. There's definitely a world in which that influences um, decision-making come voting time. I don't, I don't want to say he's a lock because there's a lot of great defensive players. And I think it's pretty fair to say that like the defensive player of the year race feels pretty over at midseason. Like Rudy Gobert is going to win that. That's just, that feels like a lock at this point. But I could definitely see a world in which Jalen is making an all-defensive team. Well, fascinating. I was going to say, I think Porzingis uh, will take... Uh, there's too many big guys for him to actually make the team. Yes, but where it's going to go, yeah. He's, he's going to earn a look. And if you look at the odds just for defensive player, it is mostly big guys. But do these... Uh, Justin, I'm going to put you on the spot. Are the defensive teams positionless as well? I believe they have front and backcourt, if I remember correctly, but I'm not 100% sure. But, aren't the, but the all-NBA teams are going positionless? Um, All-NBA is going positionless, yeah. Yeah, that was dumb. I don't know why they did that. Um, <laughs> that's that's neither here nor there. Okay, de depending on how the defensive teams work, uh, I think Holiday could find his way there, but if it's positionless and it's all big guys, maybe not. But we will see. Okay. Um, you can't even get odds on an Al Horford six man of the year award uh, uh, happening right now. And maybe that's because they don't think he's going to play 65 games and hit the threshold. But Kwani, flatter me, make the case for Al Horford six man of the year. I mean, what more do you need to say? Like this yeah, man perfect. there, like <laughs> I, I, I'm just very much amazed by Al's consistency. Like that man could have been retired like three years ago and he still stays in the game. Obviously on the floor, we see what he does for the Celtics. He's able to contribute, he's a good scorer. But at the same time, I think just like that genuine leadership skill set that is, I think, unmatched in the league, especially when you think about, like, I swear, I, I've, I've told his sisters this before. Like he gives me, he reminds me of my dad because he's like, he shows up to work. He's always so serious. Like I always was intimidated by Al to begin with, to be honest, just because he he does give this, he has this presence about him, but it's silent. Mm -hmm. which I think I would not be surprised. And I mean, the players have said this too, if that doesn't have an impact on this team, when you think about the growth that they've had over the last few years. And he's definitely been a constant when he's been here, when it comes to, you know, just being like the voice of reason for the players in a different way in the locker room. So Obviously, on the floor, he's contributed. That's obviously what they're looking for. But I think just for this team in general, he, he is the embodiment of what a six-man should be and what you'd want, ideally. Yeah, the only reason I, I don't think it's absurd that he might win it, other than the games played, is I can't think of like a runaway six-man-of-the-year candidate right now. 
I mean, for all the things that you identified, I actually do think he's a bona fide contender. It doesn't seem like the, that Vegas agrees with me. Yeah. But I also, just like the thought experiment, I was like, I don't really know who, who Russell Westbrook. Right like, I don't know who gets to be the stand-in for like the, the presumptive winner. So right. I don't know if Horford, if you can like play one or two back-to-backs. Right. Just he'll hit that 60. He's like, a big guy. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's on pace for like 67. I bet I'd take the under on that. But I don't know. It's truly remarkable. And also, when is the last time a six-man was a big man? I think it was Montrez Harrell for the Clippers like three years ago. Okay, but besides um, that. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Yeah, I mean, just really quickly on the Horford six-man front, I feel like six-man of the year is an award that is almost always determined like in the second half of the season. I Like some scoring guard, uh, you know, goes to a new team and pops off after the deadline and they're like, oh, guard X is oh, averaging yeah. 27 points per game or something mm-hmm. like that. There's such a narrative bias around like if you are a scoring guard that comes off the bench, you are the favorite to win six man of the year. So like right now, like I feel like Malik Monk would probably like win six man of the year or something like that. And listen, I love Malik Monk, super fun player, really great uh energy for the Kings and like great shooter, all of that. Al Horford impacts winning <laughs> at a significantly higher level than Malik Monk. So maybe things will shift as perceptions start to change, but I just feel like there's so much narrative bias for this award being like a, a scoring guard almost every time. You should get extra points if you're over like 35 too. Oh yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> He's basically an old man in the league. Like, again, put some respect on that. <laughs> One of the oldest. Yeah. They should have like a Elder <laughs> Statesman of the Year award. I would love that. But actually... Remember the, remember the award show they did that like one year they they did the award show i liked that i don't think the players i don't think anyone else in the world liked it but. we're all tired of award shows <laughs> but ideally it would be a, a better award to attend an award show to attend i don't know i thought the emmys were cute last night <laughs> okay a couple more and then we have some fake ones to talk about coach of the year and executive of the year I think are totally in play. Kwani, I'm going to keep going to you first. Yeah. If Boston's going to win one of those, which one would you pick? I feel like I'm sounding like a homer because I'm just saying, but this team has already proven, like they've already done the the legwork. Oh, that's a tricky one though. I would say, who? I really like both and I could make a case for both. But I mean, sorry, I'm being so indecisive. I would, I would go executive of the year. I would really like to see brad stevens get that just because he made some risky i think it has to be a last like end of the year call whether or not they're mm-hmm. able to pull off a championship but for him to make bold moves i.e marcus smart one that fans obviously were very butthurt about understandably so but then also just over the last off season, he really has put together a team we're seeing now that is champion a, a legitimate championship contender. And I think the hardest part for him, obviously he coached this team over the last few years and we've seen the growth specifically with the two J's, but being able to understand that this team has been showing potential for years and knowing there is still a piece or a few pieces missing, but not messing with that chemistry, I think is a, a, a underrated art. Like I, I don't think any executive could go in and say, 
you know, definitely that they knew that they're picking a team that is really going to win, especially when you've been burned before with this team specifically. So I think there are a lot of kudos needed for Brad just because knowing him as a coach, seeing him as a coach, he had to get into like his bad cop mode as an executive Mm -hmm. and do things that were counterproductive to what we would think a coach Stevens, a decision a coach Stevens would make. But then of course, Joe Missoula being able to turn this team around, like take this team by the reins and continue with the momentum of last year as well. He could, easily get that award also so why not both (laughs) yeah (laughs) my favorite answer both why not both i actually think that there's a better chance for brad to get the executive of the year award just because of the fact that while joe has been doing a great job this season uh really shutting up a lot of the doubters Mark Dagnall and in particular Ty Lu, I think, have been taking an even more complex situation and making something even more amazing. I mean, no one's really surprised to see the Celtics as a contender. Maybe they're surprised to see them this good, but Oklahoma City, no one really saw coming. Also, Chris Finch is probably in the mix for that award up, up in uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. There's there's some really good acts for for Joe to have to follow. And I think just because there are so many other clear candidates for that award that probably Brad's going to run away with executive. I think you're right on JQ about uh, coach of the year. I think Missoula will be in the same place he was last year where he will be top three in voting, but probably will not win the award just because uh, Dagnall to me feels like the runaway favorite with Oklahoma city right now. Um, If Missoula were to win this award, I think it would have to be like, Boston wins like 65 games, which is in play. That's yeah, totally in play on the table. But um, he, they they would have to put up like an outstanding regular season um, for him to win it, and they could do that. But it's gonna it's not gonna be easy. All right, uh, I don't think we missed any end of year awards that actually exist. Oh, the clutch player of the war war uh, clutch player of the year. And they, they, have, they have an award just for an agency. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a joke I would make. <laughs> I actually like, I like that. Uh, <laughs> a little bit. Only their players are allowed yes. to be. Um, I I guess maybe t- like someone could win the clutch player award if they hit a few clutch shots. I don't think last don't year think was, any, it would have been Jerry Fox, White. right? Yeah, last yeah, year last it was Jerry Fox. It would well, be Derek White. I mean, he had that three last night. It would be Derek White if it were carried over from last year. Exactly. Well, he had that three last night. I mean, maybe. I kind of okay. feel like I kind of feel like that is Tyrese Halliburton's award to lose at this moment, but we will see. Well, unless I mean, I guess he can also win Most Improved Player. Yeah, Kwani, yeah. do you think uh, any Celtics player could win that, or do you think? I mean, I feel like Halliburton is gonna. It'd be a stretch. I think it'd be a stretch <laughs> unless something happens within the next few weeks. <laughs> Like a game where we're like, oh my goodness, where, where'd you come from? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, I, no, no one's really wowed me in that sense this year. 
just yet at least yeah i think the the homer answer would be Derek white but it, it's it's more that like he's just getting national recognition he was yeah. doing this at the end of last year too exactly, yeah. the push for right. Derek white is all-star folks it's Let's very impressive <laughs> it's very impressive to be honest the it's, fact that well, he's even getting this national attention because generally speaking like what team do you know where all the starters are getting legitimate nods for an all-star bid even if we know they might not they're not going to all make it it's pretty impressive honestly all right well Kwani, i'm gonna keep you there um i'm gonna ask you to make a prediction oh, man. so all-star thursday we'll get another round of fan voting and the next thursday we'll know the starters and then i think it's february 2nd the reserves are going to pick something uh, around that timeline so we have some time fan voting informs the starters and then coaches pick the rest so there's some parlor politics yada 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 Kwani. Uh, just start listing them and stop when is appropriate. Which Celtics make the all-star team? Oh, well, ooh. I mean, legitimately make the all-star team, if we're being realistic, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Wow. Yeah, that's all I got. Wow, you beat, <laughs> you beat, you beat the Homer allegations, I guess. Uh, <laughs> at this moment, Justin or Alex, do either of you disagree? I think Derek White can do it, guys. I really do. I, I think Jason and Jalen are basically locks at this point. J- Jason is a lock. He's going oh, to make the all-star yeah. team. Jalen Jalen feels like with the past month and a half he's had, it would be very stupid to leave him off the all-star team. I really believe that Derek White has a shot. He is just such a dream coach player. And I think coaches love to nerd out about guys like Derek White. And I feel like there's a chance that he gets that last alternate spot. He might have to play a little better than he has recently, but I think he could do it. There's a tendency that, you know, I've heard, and I have no idea if this is true, that when those coaches vote, they tend to vote for the players they have to game plan the most. And if that's the case, then it's probably going to be Kristaps over Derek, but oh. I'm still going with Derek. Yeah, I don't know. I still have a number of guards ahead of Derek that like it would be hard intellectually for coaches to pick mm-hmm. against. But then like if you say Trey Young, I'm yelling at you. Okay, I won't say it then, but I, I'm just <laughs> I'm just going I was. Um you're probably right, but I like defense. Maxi and Brunson. Yeah, no. I mean, if put it this way, if we were drafting players to like start a team or a fantasy franchise in 2k fair Derek white goes way higher oh yeah even without the contract stuff if it's to sell seats in indiana a little different but i don't know we'll see also um could any of the celtics be in the dunk contest like no no that's I, not happening there were some rebels about Jalen earlier in the season i don't do know it. where that's going well i would love fun. to see Jalen in the dunk contest i've been rooting for that every year but i don't think he'll ever we like growing up. I remember like Larry Bird and three point contest and like D Brown dunking in the dunk contest. Like we need that back again. I just think Jalen needs two more inches on his vert. He keeps missing these like insane dunks by so little. I think if he could jump just a little higher, which give is me, or grow overnight. Yeah, give me too. Sam Hauser in the three point shootout, folks. I need okay. it. Okay, okay, <laughs> that would be so sick. <laughs> Oh, that would be cool. Well, now that the skills competition is one being like bring 
Porzingis, bring like bring all the all light the guys. Yeah, see what happens. <laughs> bring Taco back. Oh, that'd be great. The fans would love that. Why not? All righty. So, Kwani, I know that you have a time crunch, so we'll go through our pretend awards quickly. But these oh, are awards. awards given for the Celtics, inspired by former Celtics. Okay. Uh, Alex, I can MC, but if I missed the spirit of any of these awards, uh, correct me right away. Sounds good. All right. And um, we have a couple of them, so Kwani, people can get multiple awards that you don't okay. have to spread the love. Okay, the first one, the Kemba Walker yeah. Award. The yeah. player doing the most to keep the vibe good. Oh. Oh. Um, that's a good one. Maybe not on defense necessarily, but yeah, just like, it has to be like a spirit animal. <laughs> uh, that let me look through this. See, here you hmm. go, um, Porzingis. I feel like his attitude, like the obviously when you come to a winning team, you're gonna play better and be better. But I don't know. He feel I feel like he brings like the the spirit to the locker room. I could be wrong. What are you two smiling? I don't hate that. I I think it's yeah. a good pick. I think he's been very happy pretty much yeah. the whole time that he's been here. And the bromance with Jalen Brown is a thing. It's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I I was gonna nominate Luke Cornett for this award, but I'll see mm-hmm. Porzingis. Yeah. That's oh, I like that. <laughs> I was thinking Loshe Brissett for those meals. Uh, I think his mom is cooking, but that's not his him. Grandmother. Cooking. His grandmother. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like, does he really deserve the award? He's not doing the cooking. Yeah. It's, that's I'm, I'm, good though. It's his grandma food. is doing it. Right. <laughs> Man, true. All right. So it's either Porzingis or Brissett's grandma. I, I think <laughs> I'm, I'm comfortable giving it to Chris Dops. Sure, but yeah. I do want to. I do want to eat that food. <laughs> or and shout out Luke Cornett. Also, yeah. maybe Missoula, but I don't know. Oh yeah, I forgot. He, yeah, his <laughs> attitude is so much more confident, and like uh, if it, it works in a way that it wasn't working last year. I see All right, <clears throat> the Kevin Garnett Team Defensive Player of the Year Award. Not necessarily the best defender, but the player doing the most to make the def- defense work the way it's supposed to, in its current form. See, the cop-out is going to be Jalen just because I know he's a big KG fan. <laughs> and I feel like he, if he, like, the spirit of that award would make sense as to, like, his goals. He may not be there completely just yet, but I would give him, like, a contender for the award if it was a real award. Like, at the end of the year, we'd regroup and look at his numbers. <laughs> I like that. And I think the spirit of the award is very much like not necessarily like the actual best defender, but the person who's making it work. Like if that's the case, Jalen is doing a lot to make this defense work. So I I respect it. I think that's real. I I think you're officially my attorney. Yeah. (laughs) I like it. I'm available 24-7. Yeah, because I feel like white is the answer, but I don't feel like like he's executing i don't feel like he's the engine sometimes only when he's on the floor i think we can make the case for peyton pritchard as well which sounds really weird but i mean between his offensive rebounding and the fact that he can actually defend anyone at six foot one for being very generous mm-hmm. is pretty impressive we just wow. need to see more of him that's the issue mm. yeah i was gonna say justin that was a good impression of a lawyer too because that wasn't true but you said it with so much conviction <laughs> I'm doing my uh, best, man. <laughs> uh, Pritchard is too. All right. Um, the Bill Russell Player Coach Award, the player doing the most to coach the team on the floor or from the bench. Oh. I mean, this could go to multiple people. 
crap. I don't, this is, I feel like I'm being stumped for a fake award. <laughs> I uh, think, well, while you think, yeah, I am, I've been impressed with how often Joe Missoula is calling plays this year, which seems different than last year. And it often is the case that he's checking in with Drew. So I wouldn't be surprised if we learn that like privately Drew is the answer to this question, but it, we don't hear about it. It doesn't, they're not making a big deal out of it. If that's the case. I like that one. I'm going to go with your theory and just say Drew. <laughs> if, yeah, if, if only if uh, you to encourage the Celtics to call plays more. Right. Okay. Uh, the Marcus Smart Award, a player who has the most dog in them. This one I struggled with because when he left, that was the biggest question. Like, who's going to be the one with dog in them? And I haven't seen anyone, like, for real, for it. Like, if the players were to get into a fight on, what's the next game? On Wednesday? Well, I don't know who they would fight, Wimby. Like, <laughs> like if they were to get into a fight, like, let's say, right. <laughs> like, yeah, if for some reason the Morris brothers, like, one of the Morris brothers, like, well, that wouldn't even make sense because he's a player. But, you know, if they were to, like, get into a legitimate fight with someone, I don't see anyone on this roster really stepping up and being willing not that fighting should be the answer but i don't see anyone <laughs> that would step up and be like nah like i got my play my teammates back like that i have a kind of, oh, yeah i have a kind of sneaky answer to this one which is mm-hmm. that i think the player with the most dog in them right now on this team might be jason tatum oh i was gonna say pritchard Okay, you you defend Tatum. I'll, I'll defend. Well, Pritchard. I've just noticed that Tatum has had a little bit more of an edge and physicality yes. to his game this year. He's really been making a point to like mix it up and get very physical in a way that I haven't seen from him. He's bigger, he's stronger, and he's kind of talking shit a little more on the court, particularly in some of these big moments where he's like blowing kisses after big shots yeah. and snarling at people he's got a little nasty to his game that i haven't really seen from him so i kind of wonder if maybe the answer to this award is actually jason tatum um I, yeah i would go with that also there was a moment in the game versus the raptors where he basically like smacked schroeder in the face and knocked him to the ground and just walked away did not even look back and i was like wow that's his boy and like <laughs> after the game they were cool they even like uh, in him a jersey. Him. yeah but like at the time i was like wow that is different not for nothing uh christoph's brzingis is tied for third with eight technicals this season which is pretty impressive because he hasn't played that much um dylan brooks has 11 How's that? Wow, Dylan Brooks. Holy moly. <laughs> um, <laughs> that guy. He's using your frame. I feel like if there was a like cartoon fight and it was just like dust and fists and we didn't know who was in it, you would see them just like drag Pritchard out of there. So Pritchard uh, would definitely be in there. That's a good point. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's um as much as Marcus Smart, but we'll see. <laughs> okay. To, uh, let's keep it moving. The Isaiah Thomas award for the player who is outstanding outplaying their current contract Ooh, let me ask that again the isaiah thomas award the player who's outperforming or outplaying their current contract i guess this one will always go to a guard <laughs> i would <laughs> say Derek white for this one yeah That's kind of a given congrats to Derek white for making yeah. 30 100. plus million dollars in two seasons uh, right the rajan rondo team most improved player the player who was on the team last year and has improved the most that's also Derek white 
That's also Derek White. Yeah, I'm Derek White sweeping the awards. That's the theme of the season, I think, is <laughs> Derek White. Uh, the Robert Parrish Best New Player Award, the player that has made the most impact in their first season. Porzingis? I feel like, the, yeah, this, who else is new? Let me. Drew, you can make a case for, but it seems more like he's been playing catch up. Sweet. <laughs> no, no Lamar Stevens here? <laughs> <laughs> I wish there was. Hey, we don't have an award for um, off-the-court stuff, but it seems like Lamar Stevens is really thriving. He's yeah. been reading books to people. He yeah. addressed the PA. He's um, filled he's... into the Grant Williams uh, Community Service Award that I yeah. just made. <laughs> that was a good one. We can add it. I'm, and I'm curious if that is a um, – they just – I'd be curious how it's decided who does what charity events and – the next one and the next one after that but yeah i imagine i from what i've gathered like they, they don't they will never probably give us the legitimate intel but all the players are obligated to do like the public appearances but from what i've gathered over the years they're like i made the joke about grant but last over the last few years grant was the one who would go to the boys and girls club or like mm-hmm. do more of the pop-up a last minute event so i wonder if they do have like a designated survivor of like <laughs> you have to go to these events or if it's but i imagine i would hope that there's like a voluntary aspect too of like oh i don't mind filling in on this community aspect of the role since you know obviously jason and jalen can't go to every single event but there needs to be some kind of representation from the actual roster too yeah they do i mean we get the press release once a week someone's doing something they do a nice yeah, job. Exactly. i hope it's that Lamar and Grant are just kind guys. And yeah, they, yeah, right. <laughs> they filled that niche. All right. Kwani Lunas of the Big Three NBA uh, basketball podcast, CLNS and NBC Boston 10. Here's your last one. The Larry Bird team MVP. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. I'm joking. Jason (laughs) (laughs) Taylor. That's yeah, correct. Think Thank about it in depth. No, I think he's proven. It's it's so interesting. I feel old when I talk about Jason and Jalen just because, like, I my first year covering the league was when Jalen got drafted. But I feel like now I'm like their older auntie that's watched them grow <laughs> up, and I'm just like, I'm so proud of them. Like watching dudes grow up is so strange. But that's so I, bizarre. Yeah, isn't it? But to your point about Tatum's confidence, I really have been impressed in the way that he has evolved because he did come in as a shy, shy, quiet type player. You didn't necessarily know what the personality was going to be like. And I think part of it was also him just playing it smart and understanding that this is a whole new level. You have to interact with media differently. You have to interact with fans on a whole new level than you did at Duke. So I think for him, there was definitely like that learning curve of understanding the power that he has as a star but watching him now walk in it in confidence is, I think, very refreshing because he, I think he's doing it the right way, so to speak. Of, like, he has a good image. He had, you know, he's raising his son. Like, the the image, the like, the PR part of it mm-hmm. is good as well. But also, just like when he talks 
accountability after a loss or the way he talks about, you know, rallying the troops together as a leader in the locker room. I think he's just grown in different areas that he's definitely going to be eventually going to get the legitimate MVP award. But yeah, he's earned that so far. Yeah, I, I think he, Joe and Jalen uh, matured in a, a noticeable way this season that um, is a really welcome sign if you're a Celtics fan. Yeah. I, well, Kwani, thank you for uh, adjudicating our award season here. Oh my gosh, um, it's such an honor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Kwani Lunas Award uh, this year goes to Kwani Lunas. How's that? Um, you are welcome back anytime. I'm sure I'll run into you at a game soon enough. And yes. until thanks for coming by the Celtics Lab podcast. So thank you guys for having me. And we can also go to the Boston Calling and see our oh. guy here performing, right? With Meg Thee Stallion. Uh, yes, no, Meg yeah. Stallion. Uh, I'm going to be playing backup bass for him. Uh, no, I will be performing with my lovely band, Divine Sweater, which also features a Meg that is not quite the Stallion, but is definitely—I <laughs> don't know—there's some sort of horse and analogy, something or other. Um, I let yeah. Meg pick the horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let Meg pick the horse. That's for sure. Um, yes, we will be playing at Boston Calling on a day one. That's. Friday and uh there will be roster information as to where you can find us and when you can find us coming out presumably in the next couple of months but we are playing the show and we'd love to see you there there we go we'll all be there then <laughs> yeah. all right we'll, we'll, we'll all be there then all right until then Bonnie, thank you very very much Bye. we'll catch you later have a great night bye okay thank you again you can check her out all like really all over boston media if it's not truly yeah stuff. it's 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 everywhere i was just um, kind of there the rest of us we're gonna do the news and we haven't talked in a while the Celtics had kind of a smattering of games let me summarize and then i'll just throw it to you guys and kind of talk about whatever was most interesting to you so they beat the pacers pretty good they meet the timberwolves in overtime uh, they looked really bad against the Bucks the next day, and they crushed Houston. They looked okay against Toronto. You could talk about Ime coming back. You could talk about Tatum getting ejected. You can talk about nice game against the Timberwolves. You can talk about waving the white flag in Milwaukee. Uh, what, what stood out in the past seven or eight days to you, Alex? Um, I think for me, it's got to be that um crunch time heroic performance against the timberwolves that's where this starts you know that was a really hard game a game in which i think teams of uh yesteryear for the celtics would have pretty easily folded um and fallen apart you know anthony edwards is just a relentless basketball player he just never stops coming at you it's crazy to watch uh carl anthony towns is playing terrific I know they were shorthanded without Rudy Gobert. Celtics were also shorthanded without Kristaps Porzingis. So kind of balances out, at least in my mind. But to me, that's a game where, like, if you want to start the Jason Tatum MVP case, and I know we've been talking about it a lot, it's it's that game. It's the performance in that game. He completely took over down the stretch, 26 points in the fourth quarter in overtime utterly dominated in that last phases of that game in a game where like Minnesota played really well <laughs> they really wanted to win that game um to me it's one of if not maybe the outright best win of the season for this team and it just continues to show that like they really will not back down from a challenge except when that challenge is 
on the second night of a back-to-back after playing an overtime game against Minnesota, in which they very much did back down from that challenge. But yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that, that was, uh, let's just <laughs> forget that memory forever. <laughs> that that one struck me as, and I we talked about this on the chat, but I mean, that's that's about as schedule loss as you're going to get. I don't, I think they knew within about five minutes when Jalen had no lift on his jump shot at all, that that one was not going our way. Well, what about you for the past week? From the past week, what I saw is that the Celtics uh, have this thing going, you may have noticed, uh, where they sit players preemptively so they don't get hurt. So that way all of the players, all of their star players who are important to their team get a rest, which means Derek White needs a rest. Mm-hmm. He's not been playing very great. He's on the injury report for the Celtics' next game uh, against the Spurs, I believe, uh, with a twisted ankle. I think we were all kind of scared when we saw him do something to his leg near the end of the Toronto game. And mm-hmm. he just has not his, – his lift is off. Like, his, his energy doesn't seem quite as focused as it usually is. My man needs a, a game off. Just a game. Let him get himself think, right. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, he – he did, you know, hit the dagger in that game and make a clutch defensive play late to put it away. But yes, Derek White, I think you've earned yourself a day or two off for sure. Um, that Toronto game was so weird. I, it, I didn't feel like Boston played all that well. They just <laughs> kind of they just kind of won late when Toronto started missing everything. Drew had a really nice game, but it, they, that was not like an outstanding performance by any means. They were I, I great. Yeah, go it on. was really, it was really good though. But like, and there's been signs of this. What I'm about to say in, the, in recent games as well is on nights when they just didn't have it previously offensively, they were cooked. Now they know that when they can't hit anything, they can just put the clamps on, crank it up to ten, and choke the life out of you, which is basically what they did. I think the, the Raptors shot like twelve percent from three. That is mm-hmm. got to be close to a record. Yeah, I mean, I, I would hazard Toronto's a better team than their record indicates after that trade. Uh, they they look much better. Not that night. <laughs> better, <laughs> in the abstract, the they look better. The first half, they look good. But to your point, I mean, I think that's a really important one that under Ime, their calling card was defense. And last year, they just like never recaptured not just that mojo, but like that skill or that tool, uh, however you want to phrase it. And this season, it's very much so the case that if they need to, they can not just win a game, but define a game by defense. And then Tatum or Brown can make individual plays. Just one, I, sorry, yeah. just one quick point on the defense thing that I think is really kind of thoughtful, um, which is that um, one of the things that I have been reading about is how, uh, you know, when Missoula was hired last year, it was like a week before the season started. And they really didn't have time to do anything other than kind of roll out the same defense that they ran under Ime with worse results because of personnel and injuries and things like that. Um, And I think it gets at a point which is, I think, overlooked but important about NBA defenses, which is that the name of the game in NBA defense is adaptability and change. You can't run the same thing that you ran last season because teams will find the footage on it and they will pick it apart. You need to be able to create modifications or adjustments or you know just kind of as Missoula was kind of saying earlier in the year you need to have the curveball 
when it comes to defense. And you need to have a different curveball every year. And I feel like what I've seen from this year's defense, obviously the personnel has changed tremendously. So you have to start there. But it feels like like they're playing a lot more zone. They're doing a lot more kind of like weird, funky stuff off ball. They're having Can we as a river. Because yeah. I, I really want to talk about this. This is something I noticed in the Toronto game. Uh, you've probably all seen the the two one two zone where Drew has been in the middle, kind of being the guard everybody whenever someone needs help. And versus the Raptors, they had Tatum doing that, which I thought was a super interesting wrinkle. And I want to mm-hmm. see just how many other iterations they create of this just to, again, throw people off because it was insanely effective. And, and that's the thing is I feel like Joe is actively tinkering with the defense in a way that he really was not comfortable with last year, just like inheriting the reins from Yudoka. This year, he's really starting to experiment and try some stuff, which I think makes the Celtics defense a lot more flexible and a lot more dangerous on a night-to-night basis. Just the fact that, like, it's really hard to game plan for this team because Missoula might just cook up a different look on any given night that could completely alter the way that you approach it. Yeah, he said something to that effect the other day that basically having worked with Brad, having worked with Udoka, and now with him at the helm, not just Missoula himself, but the players have so much uh, more under their belt to draw from on defense. And I'm, Justin, I'm curious if Drew, I think probably less so Porzingis with the Wizards, if we're being honest, but Drew is bringing things that Milwaukee had um, that they can borrow from as well and like kind of explore those looks or... Yeah, I don't think there was too much defense being played with the Wizards, so yeah, you're and right. It's also, I mean, the opposite is true is last year, Miami changed their defense every quarter in the postseason and it bamboozled the Celtics and the Celtics did not do that. And Miami was pretty steady on offense. So yeah, Alex, I think that's really impressive. And par- part of it is also just in what you identify as they're, they're not letting themselves roll with their full starting lineups every night is a different, I would love for the Celtics to get fined because they're resting players too much. Like that is a good team to be in the NBA. I don't, I don't really want to end on this, but I kind of want to wrap up. I don't really get the NBA coming out and being like, oh, the data on load management is unclear, but also continue to load manage. (laughs) I don't know what the hell that was, but, and so I don't want to just like assume that load management works. Like maybe the data says it doesn't and that's silly. However, I think that the Celtics should keep resting players until the postseason because the stakes matter too much. And also they are, you know, I was at the game the other night and, someone with a signed Latvia jersey got on the Jumbotron and Porzingis wasn't playing. And that is sincerely a very sad story for basketball fans. But writ large, they're always fielding a good team that is worth the price of admission. So they're not like derelict in their responsibilities as entertainers, which is part of why you carry so many good players. Anyways, speaking of uh, real injuries, uh, we're thinking of Scott Pollard, who reportedly needs a heart transplant. and that's not fun. And that's also not something for people on the internet to decide whether or not they believe. That was so weird. Why, why people did that? Like for those who don't know, there were a bunch of people who conspiracy theoried his heart condition based on some limited information and decided he was faking it for attention, which is no one really does that, particularly when they won an NBA championship. And they're on Survivor. Like the, Scott Pollard's 
but whatever. He knows how to get attention in other ways that don't require faking medical conditions. Not hard. Sure. So uh, we're thinking of the Pollard family. Anyways, um, I'm going to pause there because I need to eat dinner and get ready for my big basketball game tonight. So you'll just have to ask me about the Vans and Jackets and Marcus Smart's house next week has that. Until then, I would like to tell everyone that this episode of the Celtics Up podcast was brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Thanks to Kwani Lunas for stopping by. Thanks to Divine Sweater for lending us Alex uh, from his duties as bassist. Justin, thanks for continuing to be my boss while we're doing thank yous. Um, Thanks for liking and subscribing to our illustrious podcast, and we'll catch you later.